All right, we're starting a new series of Scripture Talks today, but just before we start that, water baptism next week. Uh, If you haven't been baptized in water, we can help you with that. That's Sunday, June the 11th. You can reach out to Pia, pia at kingstreet.org, or head over to our website, and you can fill in a request for water baptism. And as well, all of our volunteers, we're having an exponential leadership lunch next Sunday, right after our morning worship gathering in the Fusion Room. We have Mandarin for everybody who volunteers and serves. And uh, we're going to have just a really helpful, I, I believe, a helpful conversation uh, and show our appreciation to you as, as volunteer leaders. So that's happening next Sunday. All right, so this new series of Scripture talks called Finding God. Um, here's my assumption today. You got up in the morning, you had breakfast, you got yourself here to the church because you wanted to, um, yes, connect with friends, uh, to be in community with others. For some of us, we're watching uh, live stream, um, but you want to connect with God, right? This is why we gather for worship. There's a horizontal dimension to what we do because we are a community. God has invited us to live in a neighbor love um, kind of a value system, so we reach across. Diversity is a wonderful thing we celebrate. We help one another when we need help. So building friendships and families, all of these things are important. But the vertical dimension is very, very important. And so coming together for worship like this is about connecting with God. And we do it together. Uh, we're not limited to this space. Um, we can connect with God on our own throughout the week in all sorts of different environments. This four-week series is going to focus, beginning today, on this idea of finding God when it's hard. And next week, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to talk about how sometimes when it's easy, it presents different challenges for finding God. And then we're going to spend two Sundays talking about how each of us are wired differently. Um, God has made each of us a certain way, and He understands us, and He comes to us in different ways. There is one road that leads to God. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are a series of pathways that we can access uh, that help us live in a manner that is uh, up close and personal with God. When we look across the aisle and we expect other people to relate with God the way we do, we run the risk of sort of shoehorning people into something that's not um, real and vibrant and authentic for that person. Um, Even in our families, our children can connect with God differently than we do. And so we want to be the kind of community that makes space for one another to be themselves. And we're going to take a look at Jesus across the pathways. He embodies them all. Uh, But for us as individuals, we have primary and secondary and perhaps tertiary uh, pathways by which we can connect with God. Uh, But for today, we're going to talk about how uh, we are invited to find God even when it's hard. And uh, I think we need to be really clear at the very beginning of this scripture talk that theologically, God is the one who takes the initiative. Uh, He's the one who comes looking for us. He's the one who finds us, so to speak. Uh, We'll take a look at a passage to ponder in just a moment because this is consistent with how Isaiah uh, talks about how we find God. Um, But remember, uh, Jesus He came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? He's the one finding us. 
And we also understand Paul, who writes in the New Testament, he says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so God is always taking the initiative, and we're always the responders. So we're not scratching and clawing our way up some um, theological or biblical ladder in order to find God. God is the one in Christ who comes looking for us and finds us. In fact, when we take a look at Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is teaching to some religious people and challenging them with his own life mission, he talked about three different groups of people. One was a woman who was, she lost a coin and she frantically was searching the house until she found it. And then there was this picture or story of a shepherd who uh, left the 99 because the one sheep had wandered away and he went looking for it. And then there's a story of the lost son, right, who had squandered all of his father's inheritance out in wild living and he turns for home and he comes back home and at the end of the story, the father's talking to the elder brother and he says, your son or your brother, his son was dead and now he's alive, he was lost and now he's found, right? And so theologically, God is the one who finds us, but we are the ones who are invited to respond to the search that God is out for to try to find us and recover us. Um, Michelangelo, the brilliant uh, and incredibly gifted painter, if you've ever been to Rome and you've had a chance to visit the Vatican, you will see all sorts of beautiful artwork. Michelangelo was just um, a world-class painter, and he has painted something that's been called the creation of Adam. And so if you're familiar with it, I tried to get the picture up here for us today, but it's not there. Um, it's this picture where, and I have this actually in my front room in my house. It's a real zoom in on just the one, the hand of God reaching to touch Adam. And Adam's, so, so God is straining like this, right? He's leaning in to try to touch Adam. And Adam is reluctant, and he's reclining on his elbow, and he has one hand out, and you can see this sort of reluctance, reluctant reach. And it's a beautiful picture, actually, of how God is straining and searching and reaching for us. And sometimes, when we're not at our best, we're just sort of passively there, and it takes almost too much work for us to close the gap. God leaves a gap. He leaves just a little window because he wants us to reach for him. And so this is what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about calling us to consider our own measure of reluctance and how we may be reclining and not reaching. And that's all of our story, isn't it? There are times in our lives when we're maybe more inclined to lean forward and reach and other times when we tend to be a little bit more reclining and reluctant and, and it just feels like we're not prepared to close, close the gap. So our passage to ponder is going to be on the screen, and if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read these verses over the next four weeks, found in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verses 6 and 7. And so with a loud reading voice, would you join me by reading beginning at verse 6? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. So this passage teaches us three very important ideas as it relates to finding God, and, and here they are really quickly. Intentionality is required, a searching heart, 
a lean forward disposition that we just talked about. Intentionality is there. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And as long as you and I are in the land of the living, he can be found. When we leave this life and we step over the threshold into the world to come, there's a measure of mystery about what's out in front of us. But Scripture seems to teach that now is the day of salvation. Now is the time for us to incline our hearts to go on a search for God. So intentionality is huge. Secondly, prayer. Um, God is a person and prayer is a conversation. And so we are to call on Him. This is prayer. This is reaching for God, directing with great intentionality our hearts toward Him. And so there's no finding God without deliberate intentionality, and there's no finding God without prayer. And then finally, turning away from our own way of pursuing meaning and purpose in life and adopting His way. So we're turning away and we're turning toward. And uh, Isaiah is very clear. He says, let them turn to the Lord. Forsake our own ways and adopt his ways. This is what's required for us to find God. So uh, I hope this will be incredibly relevant. I typically have about three big ideas for us when we have our teaching time, and that's no different today. So uh, you may opt for a pen and paper. You can also head over to the YouVersion Bible app. Under events on the far side, you'll find the notes for today's teaching. But the first thought for consideration this morning is this. When we encounter hard, that's not if, by the way, but when we encounter hard. When we encounter hard, we become more open to the larger story of our lives. Um, hard is for everyone. Uh, there are no exemptions. Uh, you may be someone who has great faith. You may be somebody who lives very uprightly before God. Hard is for you too. And uh, hard holds out wonderful promise. It comes with incredible challenge. And it comes with some landmines along the way. As we heard from our scripture reading earlier this morning, the life of Job, and we will review that in just a few moments. Um, but one of the reasons why we fail to find God or connect with him is because our hands generally are preoccupied with other things. And they're not bad things. Our hands are busy with our work. God made us to work, to add value, to make a contribution. But we get busy throughout our day, and our hands are given to work. Our hands are also given to relationship. It might be that our hands are in, interlocked with the hands of others, whether it be the hard work of parenting, or sometimes the hard work of marriage, or just the relational uh, ethos of our life. Our hands are working, they're relating. Sometimes our hands find themselves in hobbies and we're playing. And, and then when life gets really hard, right? And this happens for all of us. Life gets really hard. The two hands we've been given just don't seem like enough to solve the problems we face. Sometimes we wish we could have a third arm, right? Because what we're facing is too much for our two hands. And so we're invited, and again, the posture of folded hands as it pertains to, I'm at my limit, God. I'm at the end of my capacity to resolve the issues that I face in my life. I need to open my hands and call on you and to uh, make requests of God and to lean in. Sometimes we're reluctant and we're, re we're reclining, and God invites us sometimes through, can I say this with humility, through the gift of hard 
through the gift of hard in order to connect with God. There are times in our lives that when everything is easy, the last thing we feel inclined to do is to seek God with great intentionality. Pastor Gary is going to touch on this next week, but the prayer of give us today our daily bread, it's a prayer of dependence and reliance on God. But when you have enough money in the bank for, thanks be to God, an emergency fund for six months, or you have enough food in your fridge, in your freezer, and some non-perishables, you could get by for the next four to six weeks. Give us today our daily bread. Loses its urgency because we've looked after our own needs. That's good planning, by the way. I think having an emergency fund makes great, great sense. I think having enough food on hand, who knows what could happen, right? You want to have enough. We don't have a bomb shelter in our basement, but you know what I mean. You want to have enough so that you can, you know, weather a storm, so to speak. That's just good planning. But because of our human nature, we can easily say, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need to lean in with the same deliberate intentionality. Um, So we can sometimes um, feel self-sufficient and maybe become reluctant and recline a little bit. I love what Rick Warren, who made Mark Twain's quote so famous in The Purpose Driven Life, he says, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. (laughs) The day you were born and the day you find out why. That's a search, right? That's a search. God holds out great purpose and meaning for all of us. And when we reach for his eternal purposes, we find, we find great meaning. So when trouble comes, really quickly, trouble makes us feel vulnerable, and we don't like that. When the hard comes in the form of trouble, it makes us feel vulnerable. Trouble can make us, right, in the face of hard, here's what can happen. We can become hard, right? All of a sudden, life just becomes incredibly difficult, and it seems like God may have forgotten our name, and we can, by the way we navigate our way through this, the hard season, we can ourselves become hard. And trouble can also lead us to purpose and God's program for our lives. Uh, I've been working with a host of different people over the last number of months, and one brilliant quote from a young lady that I've been working with, she says, there's always purpose in the pain. And I thought, that is beautiful. And sometimes it takes a lot of leaning in and prayer and wisdom, contemplation to find the purpose in the pain. And often it's after, right? After you've come through the pain, you look back and say, I see great purpose in the pain. And so God is at work in the painful and in the hard, not just in the beautiful and the easy. Um, All right. This is one of the hardest passages in the Bible, but it's so important for us to understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. If you've been around the Bible a little while, you're familiar with this. If you're new to the Bible, um, there's some incredible wisdom in this passage. So here's Paul. Therefore, Paul had these incredible revelations. He was caught up to the third heaven. He saw and heard things uh, that were inexpressible. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Ever had a thorn in your flesh, by the way? He calls it a messenger of Satan to torment me. And what does Paul do? He asks for relief. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, see how he begins to see the macro narrative now. It's the thorn in his side. It's the thorn of his experience that actually positions Paul to understand the macro narrative of his life. He says, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, in the hard. For when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. There is a whole different dynamic going on in my life when I encounter the hard. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if God took the hard away? We ask God for mercy, don't we, when it's hard? Could you please bring some relief? Could you please take away the thorn experience of my life? But God says to Paul after three times, no, you know what? My grace will be enough for you. You'll have enough light for the step you're standing on. You'll have enough grace for the moment when grace is required. God doesn't give you grace now for what's coming next week. He'll give you the grace next week for when it comes, for when the hard comes. I had an experience two, maybe three years ago that was one of my hardest leadership seasons of my life. It was one of those moments in time I didn't see it coming. It was just a tough go. And I remember, my wife and I, it was a January, I'll never forget this. We went for a walk, it was during COVID. Went for a walk on the, uh, up in Port Perry on the lake there. It was frozen over in January, and P and I just said, let's go for a walk. It was a Sunday after the gathering had aired. And we walked, and we talked, and we shared about things, and it was just the two of us. And it was like, we're in the crucible here. It has never been this hard. I'm not sure it'll ever be hard like this ever again, but here we are in hard. And we talked about all sorts of things. I get in my car, and I get a phone call from a friend in this church. He's here today. He called me and just said, you're on my heart. He said, just thought I would call. And then for 10 minutes, he talked about everything my wife and I talked about on the lake. I like wept in the car. God met us in a moment. He gave us the grace. He came to us when there was an experience, an uncomfortable experience of thorns, so to speak. And God gave us the grace we needed for the moment. He was speaking to us and said, David, Pia, I got you. I got you. I know what you're facing, and I'm facing it with you. And it was one of the highlight moments of my life, walking with God. And that moment would never have come if I hadn't been put in some form of crucible. And so hard is an opportunity to know God, to find him. I had, I'm not given to this very often, but it doesn't matter what we say we're given to. God will find us and we'll find him. I had prophetic words coming to me from unlikely sources, text messages, calls. It was over a period of six or eight weeks and it was like this theme kept coming and God was just speaking with me. When you're in it and you're against the ropes in life, God will come to you in some very fresh ways that you can't miss. That's how committed he is to us. 
Now, some of you might be here today and say, I could use a prophetic word right about now, Pastor Dave. (laughs) You can't program these things. You can't plan these things. All you can do is throw yourself at his feet and say, would you please take the thorn away from me? And he says, ah, it's now you and me. We're going to wrestle now. Little Jacob moment. And we'll probably never be the same from the wrestling with God moment. You've been there. You have stories to tell. I get this huge privilege to tell my story because I have a microphone. You have stories to tell. Tell them to your kids. Tell them to your grandkids. One of the highlight moments from my life is one of my daughters went to work and she sketched out all these promises from God and she put them all over my bedroom door. I came home one day and I saw these verses and I was like, thank you, God. I would stand outside them and I would re- outside the bedroom door and I'd read them. Our faith can grow and mature and deepen. So let me leave you with this. I got two more thoughts and it's almost 1130, so <laughs> bear with me here. Um, here's takeaway number one. Ready? This is what I want you to take home. Thorns come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And God doesn't always take away the pain. But he does give us grace for the moment. Pain can lead us to Christ and an experience of his power in our weakness that we would never know if we were strong on our own. That's takeaway number one. All right, two more thoughts. Um, When we encounter hard, it can lead to a crisis of faith or perhaps a deeper one. It can take us both ways. And expectations can set us up for great disappointment if they're not rooted in God's kind of reality. Um, One of the harder verses to understand, I don't know what comes to mind for you when when I say, um, keep in step with the Spirit, or the Spirit will lead you, or being led by the Spirit. I'm not sure what comes to mind for you initially, but it might not be this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, Jesus is baptized, Chapter 4, verse 1, Matthew records these words. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Huh? Led by the Spirit into a place of testing? Would God really do that? He did it with Jesus. He did it with his disciple friends. It was Jesus' idea to actually lead his friends into a storm. Bless you, my sister. I think. (laughs) Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Ready? Jesus' idea. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. Do you think he knew what was coming next? Of course. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. So this is fast and furious. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. These are fishermen, right? They've been out in that body of water before. They're in great danger. They're fearing for their lives. The disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Like they thought this is it. 
Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. That would have been quite the moment. Then Jesus says these four words, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? See, we think they had Jesus all figured out, right? They didn't have him all figured out. After this storm comes up so quickly and stops so abruptly because Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, they say, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This, this is a wild, wild story. And we just read these four or five verses and then move on to the next part of Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel. But here's how Mark records it. And maybe you can relate to this. Mark says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? So it's not just, we're going to drown, don't you care? Because when you're in the middle of a raging storm, sometimes what you want to believe, because your instinct, your default, your lower nature whispers, sometimes the evil one whispers, sometimes the voice of others will whisper, and maybe even shout, God's forgotten our name. He doesn't care. He's not real. He doesn't love us. How could he? How could he, a good, loving God, permit this to happen in my life? And so we have this opportunity to perhaps experience a crisis of faith. Remember, if you have expectations, and this is why, I don't know why God keeps bringing this back to me, but I'm, I'm beating this prosperity thing around a little bit these days. This is why the prosperity gospel is a problem. Because if you don't experience, if you have expectations for prosperity and God withholds it, then you give up on Jesus. And remember, if the prosperity gospel is true, it has to work everywhere, at every time in history, in every culture. So it has to work in Calcutta, India, just like it works on Rodeo Drive in California. It has to work everywhere if it's true. And so I'm arguing that the prosperity gospel taken to its extreme is not true. And it's a setup for a huge disappointment. And so if we have this idea that storms won't happen to us because we are the people of God, because we're on God's side, he'll keep us from all the trouble and the harm. We are setting ourselves up for grave disappointment and perhaps even a crisis of faith. So what do we learn about Jesus in this story? Okay, very important. He's not threatened by storms. He is an unanxious presence for his disciple friends. He's not panicking. Whatever storm comes to you in your life, Jesus is not caught off guard, and he is not panicking. Jesus doesn't always cause the storm, but he is most certainly above them. And because of that reality, he can calm the troubled waters and change our troubling circumstances. He can do that. He doesn't always do it, but he can. He did in this situation. And then finally, is, this is what we learn about Jesus. He doesn't just speak to our circumstances. He speaks to us. He speaks to us. So a friend will call me on the phone when I need a word from God. Right? You'll get the text message from the person, a timely word. There'll be a voice within a voice, so to speak, when you're having a conversation with somebody who doesn't even know. And by the way, the person who called me, I'm not even sure he remembers what he said. I'm not even sure he knew he was being moved upon in the way that he was. He just spoke with his friend, who was his pastor. That's often how God works. 
you know when God speaks with me often, people don't even realize that they're being used by God? It's a voice within a voice. Doesn't always come with an announcement. This is what the Lord says. Doesn't always come like that. If you have ears that are tuned in, you've got eyes that are wide open, you'll see, you'll hear as God speaks, even when it's hard. So that's what we learn about Jesus. What do we learn about humans? <laughs> we can panic when we feel flooded. When we feel overwhelmed, how do we respond? Typically, there's panic, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's all these things going on. So human to respond like that. Please don't beat yourself up when that happens. You and I are frail human beings. And when life gets overwhelming and we want that third hand because this is way too much for us, we tend to get a little bit panicky. This is how the disciples responded. Bringing our anxiety to Jesus is the most natural thing to do when we are in trouble. You know what I believe? I do believe this to my toes. Even an atheist, if they're on a plane and the plane is going down, do you think they're going to find, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me? Do you think so? I think there's something in the human DNA that says, I'm in trouble and I can't get myself out of it. And when we're really up against the ropes and it's life or death, oh God, right? And on the other side of a storm, we have an opportunity to rethink our faith and how great our God is. Um, all right, so here's takeaway number two. Sometimes God will rebuke the wind and the waves and provide a rescue through changed circumstances. Maybe you've had that experience. Awesome. At other times, the, thorn, the thorns remain in play and require a deeper surrender and trust. It's human to prefer changed circumstances over embedded thorns. When we feel swamped by storms and the prick of the thorn is real, we are more open to the speaking voice of God. I believe that's true. All right, last one today. This is a heavy talk, but it's so important because it's where we live. Number three, when we encounter hard, our heart is tested and revealed. We learn so much about ourselves when we go through hard. Um, nobody likes tests, right? But they're opportunities for greater awareness and growth. If you're a student and you're writing a test, you realize what you do know, you realize what you don't know. It's an opportunity. Things are revealed there. We become more aware, and it's an opportunity to grow. Um, we read this already this morning, James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Isn't there like a counterintuitive part of our faith in Jesus? It's like everything about us shouldn't agree with this, but the spirit in the text is saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you face trials, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And here's the beauty on the other side of it. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, right? This is the shalom again, or the arene, not lacking anything. But the test is required in order for us to grow and mature. So we grow in our awareness. Secondly, loss is painful and should not be minimized or ignored. Grieving our losses is not inconsistent with a life of vibrant faith. There's a whole book in the Bible, five chapters, Lamentations, where we are invited with the writer to lament, to rend our garments, so to speak, to sit in, in the ashes, to wear sackcloth, to use the biblical metaphors, to experience the 
the pain of grief and loss. People of faith don't always give themselves permission to grieve, and I'm not entirely sure why. You know, when you lose a loved one and they are in the Jesus community, we have great confidence that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord, and we take great comfort and hope, right? We grieve, the text says, but not like men and women who are without hope, but we still grieve. It's okay to say, I'm feeling really sad right now. I feel a little bit lost right now. It's not an unspiritual confession to say that my heart is heavy. I just lost my job. I was telling people when my daughter got married, when Bethany got married, it was like, I have mixed feelings about this. I'm celebrating this, but everything's changing, right? And people looked at me like, what? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong, actually. Nothing's wrong. Just being human, a dad who loves, that's all, right? The season's changing. When the season changes, we warm up to the change. There's loss. There's loss when change comes. That's okay, isn't it? To experience loss. So if you have a loss in your life, feel it. Experience it. Grieve it. We have 27 or so people in grief share who are sharing their grief with others. What a beautiful, heroic thing that is to join others in a circle and say, I'm feeling the pain of loss right now. It's so, so real. Um, So Job, he experienced it. What does he do? Chapter 1, verse 20, at this Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. I've often wondered why people shave their head when they have a full head of hair, but he did. (laughs) Tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He's grieving, and he's worshiping. You can do both. You can do both. All right, last thought for consideration this morning, and then we'll pray. The voices of others can be incredibly powerful and painful. Have you found that to be true in your life? People can be well-intentioned, and they say things the wrong way, the wrong time, whatever that looks like, or they can just be sometimes, unfortunately, insensitive and perhaps even hurtful and mean-spirited when we're not at our best. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife, of all people, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. This is one of those moments, right? The New Testament hasn't been written yet, but this is one of those moments, get behind me, Satan, right? I don't recommend it in your marriages. It creates all sorts of challenges. (laughs) But she's not speaking life-giving words here. She's not helping with the perspective. She is contributing. She's adding to the pain. And then Job says, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? What do you mean? God brings trouble? God brings trouble. Does that fit into your theology? I don't want to serve a God who brings trouble. Maybe he doesn't 
initiate it, but he permits it. Trouble. I didn't sign up for trouble, Pastor Dave. I signed up for the abundant life. You talked about that last week. Fullness. Get back to last week's teaching on fullness. I want more fullness. I don't want more trouble. Well, Jesus has a promise for you. You know this one, don't you? In this life, you will have trouble. Sometimes it comes with a capital T. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I love accepting good from God. Oh, bless the Lord. Isn't God good, brothers and sisters? He is. Always good. All the time, God is good. Right? This is the truth about who God is. But life in this world comes with some trouble. And there's redemptive purpose in it. It's an opportunity for us to find God. So here's the last takeaway, and with this we'll wrap up. Good people are not exempt from testing and trouble. Things are not always as they seem. Often there could be more going on. And we do well to avoid passing judgment or drawing premature conclusions, as there is often, again, much more going on. Listening to the commentary of others is not always helpful. Living with radical acceptance with a firm resolve to trust a good God is always the way forward. And with that, I invite you to say amen. 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 All right. So that's our teaching for this week. Um, Finding God when it's hard. How many of you are going through some hard right about now? You've got some thorns and you feel the, the prickly nature of the thorn and you've asked God for relief and it's not being taken away. Um, when we celebrate communion and we pray for people, you'll hear me say this, and I've been doing this for years at King Street, and I say it very, very deliberately because I want it to get into your, the operating system of your soul. We pray that God would intervene, that he would step in, that he would change our circumstances. And then we also pray, and Lord, if you know something we don't, which is likely the case, would you give us a strong back to bear up under the challenges we face? We prefer the first answered prayer rather than the second one. But I do you an incredible disservice as your pastor if I don't invite you in to feel the thorns, to ask for mercy and release and relief. And I I do a tremendous disservice to you if I don't ask you to pray for a strong back to bear up under the challenges. And that can be a tremendous witness to the world around us. When Job had lost it all, and he said to his wife, you're talking like a foolish woman. Can I receive good from God and not trouble? I want to know more about this man. Tell me a bit more about how you can say that, Job. And the end of his story, when you read the last few verses, Job ended up being blessed far more at the end of his life than he was in the middle when all the trouble came. And the truth about our story is this. I don't know where you are on the journey of your life, whether you're at the early stages or whether you're in the middle or nearing the exit door. I can promise you this. There will be trouble at different seasons of life. It will be hard but it will not compare to the glory that will be revealed on the other side in you. And so the best is always yet to come. That's not prosperity gospel. That's confident hope in Jesus who defeated death, hell, and the grave. And because he did, we will. Amen?
So that's a good way to land this teaching. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, if you're able, would you stand with me? Because I want to pray for you. And here's my assumption today. Every one of you have some measure of trouble in your life right now. If it's not in your lap, it's around the edges of your life, relational circle that's, that you belong to, all sorts of you. You feel the pain of others or you feel your own pain. I want to pray for you. Can we invite God to speak to the wind and the waves, whatever that is in your life, and then we're going to invite God to speak to us and say, where's your faith? That's not a shame-filled question, by the way. He wasn't looking to shame his disciple friends. He wasn't saying, you guys, honestly, where is your... I think he wanted them to realize where their faith was. They came to him. They had faith, didn't they? They went to Jesus and said, don't you care? We're going to drown. They wake him up. He solves. He comes through. He's present, an unanxious presence. Their faith was in him. I believe your faith is in Jesus too today. And sometimes it gets rattled, and sometimes it gets pushed around a little bit, but your faith is in Jesus. He's not shaming you today. And if you wonder where he is, he can handle your questions. I actually say to you, if you wonder where he is, ask him. Ask him. Okay, Lord Jesus, thank you today for this moment in time, and whatever it is that you might be saying to all of my friends in this place today, Lord, trouble is part of our experience in life, and we wish there was life without it, but that's not life this side of heaven. And so we do believe in the promises of God. We do believe the very words of Jesus, and when he said, in this life, you will have trouble, he meant it, and it's true of us. Lord, there's all sorts of trouble today that's in this room and for some, we feel overwhelmed by it. For some, we feel powerless to do anything. For some, we've been praying, we've been fasting, we've been leaning in, and we're still hearing, my grace will be enough for you. And the thorn persists. Lord, we're asking in your mercy to remove some thorns today for some of our friends. You can do this. You can speak to the wind and the waves. You can change circumstances. You are a God who is above and beyond all things. You know the weather patterns. You know what's going on, and you can bring about change. We believe that. We believe that you can alter natural directions of things because you are not limited by the natural. You are supernatural. So would you come and do, Lord, according to your goodwill, whatever needs to be done for my friends today in this church. We ask you in mercy for healing for bodies, for restoration of minds that are troubled, for relationships that are against the ropes, for all sorts of things related to finance and employment and whatever else the trouble looks like. We ask you for help. And we also ask you today, God, to give us a strong back to bear up under the load we're carrying. Lord, you know that our back is, is weak and has limits to its strength. We pray that you would, by your grace, make our back strong so that we can persevere, so that we can become more mature, complete, not lacking anything. And so, Lord, would you do your good work in us and may we be on display for the world around us, including our own families, that we will bear up and be faithful like Job was. And we will quiet the voices that say, are you still holding to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? We say there's a better voice. There is a better way. And so, Lord, help us to shut down those other voices and say yes to the one that says God's grace will be enough. Your strength is made perfect in weakness. And we say a big emphatic amen to that prayer. Amen. All right.
Um, just before we go, um, let me leave you with a, just a couple of announcements here that are important. If you're coming to the baseball game, uh, that's on Wednesday. We're leaving here at 5 o'clock. If you come at 5.05, you may have to get to the GO train. So we want you to be here at 5 o'clock because everybody wants to make uh, the start of the game, okay? We have nine tickets left. That's it. So if you want to come, you better uh, go online and, and reserve your ticket, okay? Uh, that's Wednesday night uh, this week, which is, what is that, the 7th of June. Thank you again for your faithful, generous giving. There are giving drop boxes in the back. You can give online. Those of you who are watching online, there's so many ways to give. Again, head over to kingstreet.org and you can learn more about how you can give. All right, can I leave you with a blessing and a benediction? Yes, Lord, I love this part. Uh, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his loving countenance towards you and give you much peace and much grace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the, uh, the weekend.